Well, I hope you guys are ready for the the Word of God this morning. I believe that God has something that He wants to say to to each of us um, here here this morning. But before we get into it, I just want to say, echo what Pastor Jerry is saying about we are just so excited to be live and in person next week. We've we've enjoyed doing the, the online services, and we will continue to do the online services. But man, just having the opportunity to see you guys, to, uh, to you know, interact, to, uh, so you guys can shout amen uh, when I'm speaking. It, it's just, uh, it, it's going to be great to have everybody back and in person this morning, uh, or back and in person next week. Um, this morning, though, we want to we want to just kind of hang out. We're gonna we're gonna talk about some things. I want to uh, give uh, give you guys some things that that God has really been working in me uh, for the last couple of months, and and something that uh, that over and over again, as I've seen news stories come out, I'm like, I you know, God God just keeps speaking this this same message to me. It's like uh, almost like I'm not not getting it, and so God has to just keep keep reminding me and. Uh, and it's some, so it's something that I've been processing, and I wanted to share it with you guys this morning. So hopefully you're ready. If you're ready, go ahead and type in the chat right now. Just say, I'm ready. And, uh, and we want to we interact this morning. We want to uh, get to get to see each other, uh, or at least, uh, at least encourage each other that, that we're ready for the Word of God this morning. So the title of today's message is called Great Expectations. Now, if you came this morning, uh, or if you tuned in this morning because you were hoping to hear the story about Pip and Miss Havisham. Um, I'm sorry to disappoint you uh, because I read that book, I think, in high school, maybe. Uh, I did read a summary of it this week so that I would know um, what I was promoting. But uh, anyway, we're not going to be talking about the book, but we are going to be talking about influence and helping people around you. And those are some themes from the book. And so I, I think the, the title still fits and, and still works there. And, and those of you that love the book, and I know there are a lot of you out there, I, I think you'll be able to see some parallels between what we're talking about this morning. But instead, we want to look at what God's great expectation for us is. And so we're going to Gonna, we're going to turn to the book of Micah in order to see that. Um, we're going to look at Micah chapter 6, verse 8 specifically, and it says this. It says, He has shown you, O mortal, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you? To act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. Let me read it one more time. He has shown you, O mortal, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you? To act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. Let's pray. Father God, we just thank you for this opportunity we have this morning to receive from your word. And Lord, we pray that, that these words that, that are spoken this morning, God, would, would go down deep into people's hearts. God, I pray that, that you would use me, Lord, to, to communicate to people. But God, I pray that your spirit would, would speak in ways that, that even I'm not, uh, not saying or not able to say. God, I pray that your spirit would, would pierce people's hearts and minds today. And, and Lord, I pray that, that people would be moved to, to action because of, uh, because of your spirit. God, I pray that we would all turn our hearts towards you, and we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Now, Micah um, was a, a prophet of God who ministered from about 740 to 680 BC when the kingdom of Israel was actually divided into two nations. So we've got a, a picture of that 
right over here. And uh, Micah lived in the, the southern country of Judah in a town called Morasheth. And during his ministry, the northern kingdom was attacked, it was invaded by the Assyrians. And, uh, and the, the northern kingdom, a lot of people were drugged into exile. Incidentally, this is why Jonah didn't want to go to Nineveh, the capital of Assyria, was because of the atrocities, because of the things that he had seen and heard from the Assyrians. Uh, Micah prophesies to the southern kingdom, and he, he talks to them about the need to repent and follow God. And he says, he says this, is, this is what's going to happen if you don't shape up, if you don't listen to the, to the words that, that I'm saying. Uh, and ultimately, he prophesies about a Messiah that's going to be born in Bethlehem and that's going to bring everlasting peace to the entire world. And, and so, so Micah is, is pleading with Judah in this, in this verse, and he says, he says, you know what you're supposed to be doing. You know what you're supposed to be doing, so go ahead and do it. Like, just, just let's get on it, you know? It, this, is, this is pretty obvious. This idea, acting justly, uh, uh, loving mercy, and walking humbly with our God, these are things that, that God wants from us. These are God's great expectations for us. In 2013, a Florida police officer was called to a Publix grocery store because a lady had walked out with over $300 in groceries that she hadn't paid for. Now, justice in this situation demands that the lady be arrested and imprisoned because of her actions, right? If you, if you walk into a store, you grab things, you refuse to pay for them, then you are punished for that crime. Um, but humility... In this, in this situation, led the cop to begin asking some questions about who she was, what she was doing, why she was doing it. And in that situation, instead of passing judgment, uh, she found out, the cop found out that, that this lady had, her, her boyfriend had lost her job, and there was some paperwork that they had filed for government assistance, but it hadn't come through yet, and so there was some, some holdups there. And, uh, and so she was, she was shoplifting because she needed to feed her kids. And so in this case, justice said she needed to be punished. Humility said, I'm going to stop and ask questions, and mercy allowed her to go free. And we're going to come back to that story in just a little bit because there's a little bit more to it. But before we do that, I want to ask you guys a question. Have you ever expected justice for something and received mercy? Have you ever been in a situation where you knew you were supposed to get in trouble, and instead of getting in trouble, you received mercy? For me, um, I, I, worked in, I, I worked with a, a Christian-themed haunted house for a while in, in high school and then, and then in college. I think it was three or four years that we put this production on at our church. And, uh, and at, this, at this haunted house, we had, um, there was, it was immensely popular. And so on Halloween night, we actually had a line like around the building, down the block. Uh, it, was, it was crazy how big the line was. In fact, we kept running shows like every 10 or 15 minutes uh, until six o'clock in the morning. So we just kept going because there were still people out there. There were people that needed to hear the message that Jesus had for them. And so we just kept going. We kept, kept working. Um, and so me being the, you know, 19, 20-year-old kid that I was, decided that after this entire night of marathon where I'm running sound, I'm doing lights, I'm, I'm running around making sure batteries are fresh and, you know, all of the things that you have to do to keep a production running for that long, um, at 6 o'clock in the morning we got off and 
to me, the, the most logical thing was then to uh, grab a Mountain Dew and to go to work. And so for, for the next eight hours or nine hours, I, I spent uh, that time at work. Now, my boss noticed that something was up. My boss, uh, she, was a, she was a smart lady. Uh, this was my, my direct supervisor. Was a, she was a, a really smart lady. And uh, I think probably the, the third or fourth time that she saw me nodding off in, the, uh, you know, in, in front of my, my area where I was working, uh, she probably put two and two together, realized that, that I had been up all night. And, uh, and so she called me into the, into the break room and wanted to talk to me. And I thought at that point, like, I was in trouble, I was going to get sent home, I was going to get reprimanded, all of these things. And instead, what she told me is, man, it looks like you had a rough night. Why don't, why don't you hang out in here in the break room for the rest of your shift, and, and we'll cover everything that's going on. So instead of justice, instead of the reprimand that I deserved, I received mercy. Now, probably the reason that she gave me that mercy was because she wanted me to take a little nap so I didn't kill anybody on the way home. But, um, but still, I'm grateful for the mercy that I received in that, in that moment. I want to show you guys right now a video. This is, this is put together by uh, an amazing organization called The Bible Project. If you've never looked at their website, I would highly, highly, highly recommend going in there. They have a video introduction for every book of the Bible. They've got uh, Bible, uh, they have these videos that they've put together on themes like love and grace and sin and um, all of these, all of these different things. They've got series on how to read the Bible. It's, it's an incredible website and uh, just a ton of resources and inf information to help you grow. Um, I want to show you guys, though, a video that they put, put together in October of 2017 is when it was released. And, uh, and this has to do with the theme of justice. So let's go ahead and play that video right now. If you were a praying mantis, it would be socially acceptable to devour your mate. And if you're a honey badger, you have no regard for other animals. You don't care. If you're a panda with twins, it's normal to abandon one to take care of the other. But if humans do any of these things, we would call it wrong, unfair, or unjust. Yeah, why is that? Why do humans care so much about justice? Well, the Bible has a fascinating response to that question. On page one, humans are set apart from all other creatures as the image of God. Yeah, God's representatives who rule the world by his definition of good and evil. And this identity, it's the bedrock of the Bible's view of justice. All humans are equal before God and have the right to be treated with dignity and fairness no matter who you are. And that would be nice if we all did that, but we know how the world really works. And the Bible addresses that too. It shows how we are constantly redefining good and evil to our own advantage at the expense of others. Yeah, self-preservation. And the weaker someone is, the easier it is to take advantage of them. And so in the biblical story, we see this happening on a personal level, but also in families and then in communities and in whole civilizations that create injustice, especially towards the vulnerable. But the story doesn't end there. Out of this whole mess, God chose a man named Abraham to start a new kind of family. Specifically, Abraham was to teach his family to keep the way of the Lord by doing righteousness and justice. 
Yeah, doing righteousness, that's a Bible word I don't really use, but what comes to mind is being a good person. But what does that even mean, being good? The biblical Hebrew word for righteousness is tzedakah, and it's more specific. It's an ethical standard that refers to right relationships between people. It's about treating others as the image of God. With the God-given dignity they deserve. And this word justice, it's the Hebrew word mishpat. It can refer to retributive justice. Like if I steal something, I pay the consequences. Exactly. Yet most often in the Bible, mishpat refers to restorative justice. It means going a step further, actually seeking out vulnerable people who are being taken advantage of and helping them. Yeah, some people call this charity. But mishpat involves way more. It means taking steps to advocate for the vulnerable and changing social structures to prevent injustice. So justice and righteousness are about a radical, selfless way of life. Yeah, and you find this idea all over the Bible. Like here, in the book of Proverbs, what does it mean to bring about just righteousness? Open your mouth for those who can't speak for themselves. And what do these words mean for the prophets, like Jeremiah? Rescue the disadvantaged and don't tolerate oppression or violence against the immigrant, the orphan, and the widow. And like here, look in the book of Psalms. The Lord God upholds justice for the oppressed, gives food to the hungry, and sets the prisoner free but he thwarts the way of the wicked. Whoa, he thwarts the wicked? Yeah, in Hebrew, the word wicked is rasha. It means guilty or in the wrong. It refers to someone who mistreats another human, ignoring their dignity as an image of God. So justice and righteousness is a big deal to God. Yes, it's what Abraham's family, the Israelites, were to be all about. They ended up as immigrant slaves, being oppressed unjustly in Egypt. And so God confronted Egypt's evil, declaring them to be rasha, guilty of injustice. And so he rescued Israel. But the tragic irony of the Old Testament story is that these redeemed people went on to commit the same acts of injustice against the vulnerable. And so God sent prophets who declared Israel guilty. But they weren't the only ones. There's injustice everywhere. Yeah, some people actively perpetrate injustice. Others receive benefits or privileges from unjust social structures they take for granted. And sadly, history has shown that when the oppressed gain power, they often become oppressors themselves. So we all participate in injustice, actively or passively, even unintentionally. We're all the guilty ones. And so this is the surprising message of the biblical story. God's response to humanity's legacy of injustice is to give us a gift, the life of Jesus. He did righteousness and justice, and yet he died on behalf of the guilty. But then God declared Jesus to be the righteous one when he rose from the dead. And so now Jesus offers his life to the guilty so that they too can be declared righteous before God, not because of anything they've done, but because of what Jesus did for them. The earliest followers of Jesus experienced this righteousness from God, not just as a new status, but as a power that changed their lives and compelled them to act in surprising new ways. Yeah, if God declared someone righteous when they didn't deserve it, the only reasonable response is to go and seek righteousness and justice for others. This is a radical way of life, and it's not always convenient or easy. It's courageously making other people's problems my problems. This is what Jesus meant by loving your neighbor as yourself. It's about a lifetime commitment fueled by the words of the ancient prophet Micah. 
God has told you, humans, what is good and what the Lord requires of you is to do justice, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Well, I hope you guys enjoyed that, that video. Uh, a couple of things that, that really stand out to me. First, the first thing is I love how he compares the word justice to the word charity and, uh, and talks about how, how the, the chief role of justice is not, uh, not so much crime and punishment as it is taking the disadvantaged and lifting them up um, to, to make things more just. Um, I think a, a, a good synonym for the word justice, the way it's used in the Bible, would be fairness. And, uh, and to, look at, to look at how God wants things to be fair or equal uh, amongst, amongst everybody. So the world tells us over and over, over again that you, you need to do whatever it takes in order for you to get ahead. You need to, to step on whoever you need to. You need to work the hours that you need to work. You need to ignore the people that you need to ignore in order to, to get ahead. That might equals right. If you, are, if you are strong, then you are in the right. If it, if it causes you to win, then it must be the right things to do. The ends justify the means. All of these things are, are things that kind of say the same thing over and over again, that, that it doesn't matter how your actions affect other people as long as your actions lead to you getting ahead. We see this over and over and over again. I mean, you just turn on the news, and the news is full of stories that are using the people using their position, using their power, using their authority in order to hurt other people. Um, uh, you know, the, probably the best example of this is politicians, right? And uh, what I know about the people watching right now is that when I say politicians, half of you guys think Trump and half of you guys think Inslee. And, uh, and so there's this, uh, there's this polarization that's happening right now. And uh, so whatever side of the political spectrum that you're on, you can point to somebody that's using their position of power, their position of authority, in order to, in order to hurt those that are, that are disadvantaged, in order to push people down. Uh, we see this also, un unfortunately, and it's been a, a, a stain on our Christian circles, but we see this with, with like televangelists and stuff. We see this with, with pastors, uh, priests who, um, who take advantage of people that are, that are desperate, people that are in need, and, and take advantage of them. Maybe it's uh, the, the televangelist who had everybody write in with prayer requests and also had them send checks along with their prayer requests, promising that he would pay for them, and threw the, threw the prayer requests in the garbage and put the checks in the bank. And, uh, and so people using their position of authority and their position of power to not help the disadvantaged, but instead to, to push them down and to create a further gap between the haves and the have-nots. We see this with the media. Uh, we've seen this play out with, with police officers. Um, and the, the George Floyd situation. I, I appreciate um, Dennis Hendricks, and uh, so I want to give a, a shout out to Dennis um, because he, he posted a meme a, a few days ago that uh, I, don't, I don't have it all written out here, but it essentially said 99.5% of cops would jump in front of a bullet for you, and, uh, and they love you, and they, they care about you. And he said, he said, if all you're looking for is evil, then evil is all you're going to see. And uh, I, I appreciated that, that response. But the truth is, there are some police officers that have used their position of power, their position of authority, in order to, in order to put down 
um, certain people and certain groups of people. And so we need to be aware of that, and we need to use our power, we need to use our position in order to help those that are being oppressed. Um, For some of you, it might be closer to home. It might be your boss that is constantly using their position of authority to, um, to, to come down on you, to belittle you, to, they, they steal your ideas, they, uh, they, they cause you endless amount of frustrations. They don't seem to care how their actions are affecting you. Uh, for some of you, it's, it's in your family. It's, it's somebody in your house. Uh, for, for teenagers that are watching this or, or for younger people that are watching this, it might be a bully at school that's using their physical strength in order to dominate other people. And so we see this all over the place in society. We see it uh, from, from the very tops of our society all the way down to, to kids. We see people using their position of power and their strength in order to hurt those that are disadvantaged. And this is why God, and through the prophet Micah, speaks into this. And he says, I've shown you, a man, what is good. What does the Lord require of you? You need to act justly. You need to do justice. You need to, to show, uh, you need to, to show others how, how God what, I'm sorry. You need to show others what God thinks of them, that we are all his children, and so everybody deserves to be lifted up. God wants us to leverage our power to pull up the disadvantaged. Let me say that one more time. God wants us to leverage our power to pull up the disadvantaged. And we see this in, in the Gospels uh, as Jesus is, is walking around. And there are numerous instances where, where he interacts with those that are disadvantaged and gives them a platform, gives them, gives them uh, the, the decency that they need. He heals them. He takes care of them. And then we also see this in his interactions with the Pharisees and the religious leaders of the day where he was very harsh with them. In fact, in Matthew chapter 9, there's an instance where he's confronted by the Pharisees uh, because, because of this insistence on giving attention to uh, giving attention and opportunities to people that were called Pharisees and tax collectors, or tax collectors and sinners. Um, and in response to that, Jesus says this. This is Matthew chapter 9, verse 12. He says, and when he heard it, he said, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. Go and learn, which is a great thing to tell somebody that spent their entire life studying the scriptures. Uh, he says, go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice, for I came, to call the right, I, I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. One more time. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice, for I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. He, what he's saying here is that, that, yes, he's not saying that sacrifice is unimportant, right? He's not saying that it's unimportant to worship God. He's not saying that, that our, you know, when we get together next week in our in-person services, which we're so excited to have, or if you continue watching us on the live stream next week, um, either, either way, when we, when we gather together, he's not saying that the worship times, the times that we spend praising God are unimportant, but he's saying, he's saying uh, to take it another level above that, yes, your interaction with God is great, but he says, he says I desire mercy. He says, I want you to treat others fairly. I want you to treat others equitably and not sacrifice. And so he's saying, he's saying there again, he's not belittling worship. He's not belittling sacrifice. But he's, instead he's saying mercy is up here and sacrifice is somewhere down below it. And this leads us to our second point, which is to love mercy. So 
justice is one of God's main character traits. You know, when you, when you look at, like, the book of Proverbs, you see over and over and over again that punishment is coming for the wicked. That if you do something bad, you should expect to get punished. That in the end, the liars and the cheaters and the oppressors are going to lose that, and the honest and the righteous are going to be lifted up. We know that God's holiness demands sinless perfection. But we also know that his mercy provided another way because we could never measure up. And so God wants us to act justly, but he also wants us to love, love, love mercy. God wants us to love mercy in the same way that he did. And, uh, and God says that, that those who have received mercy, those that have received grace from God, should be quick to give it to others. In fact, Galatians 6.2 says, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. In other words, in other words, if we want to do what Christ wants us to do, you know, the, the greatest commandment, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, love your neighbor as yourself. If you want to fulfill that love your neighbor as yourself, you need to start bearing one another's burdens. So if justice is about equality, then mercy is kind of like the, the next level to justice. If justice is about things being made equal, then mercy is, is actually about tipping the scales away from me. Let me say that again. Mercy is about tipping the scales away from me. And, uh, and, and so mercy means if I, if I bear somebody else's burden, like Paul wrote to the Galatians the, that we just read, this is going to naturally make my life a little bit more difficult. This is going to naturally make my life just a little bit harder. We saw it in the video as, as people were pulling people up, their platforms came down just a little bit. In fact, I'm, I'm standing on this platform right now because Pastor Jerry has, has decided to, uh, to, to take a step back and to allow somebody else to proclaim the gospel from, from this very platform. And so he had to, to, to take away one of his speaking opportunities in order to lift somebody else up. And so I'm, I'm here as a result of that. Uh, bearing somebody else's burden, allowing other people to have opportunities means that my life might be made a little bit more difficult. The definition of mercy is compassion or forgiveness shown towards someone whom it is within one's power to punish or harm. So if I give my coat to someone who needs one uh, because of their poor life choices or because they, they are too lazy to get a job or because they are, uh, you know, they... I don't know, they gambled it all away or they, they did drugs or whatever. If I, if I take one of my coats and I give it to them, and the reason that I'm giving it to them is because they didn't save enough money to buy a coat of their own, um, I, I'm showing mercy in there. It was, it was, you know, within my right to cast judgment on them, to, to say, well, you should have done better. You should have uh, pulled yourself up by your bootstraps and, you know, you should go get a job or whatever. Um, and there are instances where, where, that's, where that's important and there are, there are certain avenues that you want to work through when, uh, when working with the homeless. But the point remains that if I give somebody my coat, I'm showing them mercy. I'm giving them something that really they, in a lot of cases, don't deserve. Um, in, uh, so, let's see. Um, in the same way, uh, just like, just like giving, giving a coat to somebody is, is showing them mercy, um, a, a 
few few months back, or I don't, I think it was, I don't know, last fall or something like that. Um, my neighbor was pulling out of his driveway, backed into my car, and broke my headlight. Now, Justice said I could have called the cops, right? I could have had somebody come out, file an incident report. I could have called insurance, had them had them deal with it. And instead, we I didn't do that, didn't call the cops, showed mercy in that situation. Um, and, and it's, it's again, it's, it's, some, it's an instance where I was within my right and yet decided to show mercy in that case. Um, and, and the reason this is important and the reason that this is something that God wants for us is because this is what God did for us. Um, I want to look now at the book of Philippians. And this is, this is Philippians chapter 2. And Paul, Paul lays out a, he, he starts with a, um, a, a little kind of introduction, and then, and then he, he reads this, this poem or this, this thing that, uh, that Christians had become fond of quoting throughout the, the, early, the early church. And, and so he, he um, relays it to us here in the book of Philippians. This was a, a saying, this was something that was going all around the, uh, the world at that point. Um, but he says this, so starting in verse 3, he says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. So he says, he says don't, do anything, don't do anything out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility, he says, value others above yourself. Value others above above yourself. Now, this is a hard thing, right? This is a hard thing that, that Paul is asking from us here. He's saying, he's saying that, that uh, when you walk into a situation, you should not look to be first, but instead you should look to serve. He says you should not look to be the most important but instead, you should look for ways to lift others up above yourselves. It kind of reminds me of a story that Jesus told about a, uh, you know, when, or a, a teaching that he had where he said, he said, if you go to a banquet, he said, don't take the seat next to the host because if you do, you might be asked to move to the end of the table. But he said, instead, take the seat at the end of the table and the host then can promote you. The host then can, can build you up. And uh, we're going to see that as we continue to read through Philippians here. Uh, but this is really the upside-down kingdom that God has called us to. He says the first will be last, and the last will be first. He said if you want to become great, then become a servant to everybody. God wants us to lay down our rights, even those that are guaranteed to us in the Bill of Rights, in order to serve others. After all, this is what Christ did for us. So, verse 5. He says, in your relationships with one another... So, again, this isn't talking, uh, he's going he's gonna to talk about Jesus, but he's saying, I want you to think about this in the context of your relationship with other people. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset, think the same way that Jesus did. I want you to approach things the way that Jesus approached things. I want you to, I, I want you to, to um, in, your, in your mindset, in your relationships, I want you to go into a situation, whether it's at work, whether it's at home, whether it's at school, whether it's with your family and friends, I want you to go into those situations having the same mindset, thinking the same way that Jesus did. He says this, he said, who being in very nature God, 
and this is the start of this, this poem that, that they were passing around, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. He was God. He, when he walked into the room, he was literally the most important person in the room everywhere he went. Every, every time he interacted with somebody, he was the one that created that somebody. He was the most important person that any of them had ever met. And, uh, and so when he walked into a situation, didn't matter where he was, didn't matter whether he was standing uh, with the woman at the well and, and talking to her, didn't matter whether he was talking to the centurion about his daughter that was sick, didn't matter if he was standing before Pilate, it, it didn't matter what room he went into, he was literally the most important person in history and yet it says here he was in very nature God yet he did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage rather it says he made himself nothing he did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage rather he made himself nothing I just want to pause for a minute and let, the, let those words sink in. That the God of the universe, the God of all creation, the God that created me and you, the God that created everything, did not consider his Godhood something to be used to his own advantage, but he made himself nothing. It says, he took the very nature of a, ser- of a servant being made in human likeness. Verse 8, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even to death on a cross. In your relationships, become the servant just as Christ served us. In your relationships, become the servant. I mean, it's, it's, it's mind-boggling that, that of all of the things that God created, the one thing that, and I'm going to use air quotes here, that, that was outside of his control, because we know that nothing is outside of his control, but, but sin and death entered the world as a result of a decision that man made, that Jesus even submitted himself to that decision. That Jesus even humbled himself that far that, that he allowed the decisions that we had made to affect him. In your relationships, become the servant just as Christ served us. It doesn't matter how your, your parents treat you. It doesn't matter what things are like at work. It doesn't matter when you, when you are around your family and friends how things, are, how things are going. It says in your relationships, be a servant. In your relationships, love mercy is what he's saying. Saying, I want you to, I want you to act justly Right? I want you to seek to, to bring equality to situations, but I also want you to love mercy. Micah 6.8 again, he has shown you, O mortal, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you? To act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. So, in closing... I want to take a big picture look at, at all of this. I want, to, I want us to, to pull out now, and we're going to take the, uh, the, the satellite, the overhead view of what's going on here. Um, if we get this right, let's, let's say that each of us 
that's watching today decides to, to do this. We decide to put others first. We decide to help others out. We decide to use our power, whether it's our, whether, whether it's our, our money, whether it's our time, whether it's the, the resources that we have, whether it's the opportunities that we have, the authority that we have that we can give away, some of that authority, whatever it is, when we decide to use our power, to le- when we decide to leverage our power in order to help others, what would happen? Well, if you can imagine it, you would imagine a group of people where, where needs are met. When, when somebody comes to that group uh, with a need, that, that need is taken care of. You would imagine uh, a, a a a group of people where where those that had money helped those that didn't have money, where conflict wasn't settled by a a test of strength, but instead there was was a move towards agreement, there was a move towards uh, towards unity. In, In short, what you would imagine is you would imagine the first century church. You would imagine a church that was so effective in reaching the world that the message of an unknown carpenter from Galilee spread throughout the Roman Empire in a matter of decades. And this church was attractive because they looked out for others and, the, and for the world. And that meant that, that as they became known for doing good and helping those in need, then Jesus became attractive. And, and so as they reached out, as they helped then Jesus' name was lifted up. And God was glorified because of the sacrifices that they made, because they acted justly, because they loved mercy, and because they walked humbly with their God. We haven't touched on, on humility too much, but, um, but just really quick about that. Humility is not thinking about yourself less, not thinking, of, thinking less of yourself. Thinking of, humility is thinking about yourself less. Um, and so as we, as we approach people, we should be looking to ask questions. If you find yourself frustrated and getting ready to post something on social media because you're like, I don't understand why, just rewind a little bit and look at the, the first three words of that sentence, I don't understand right? And seek understanding, seek to be humble, seek, seek to, to, to listen before you post, seek to listen before you engage. Um, there's a, I, I've got my, my sermon notes that, that, I've, that I've put together, and uh, there's going to be a, a comment that pops up right now in the, in the chat. If you like that comment, um, I will send you a copy of my notes, and I'm going to send you a, a series of links. There's like three or four links on there, including a link to a, an incredible sermon series um, that was put together back in January by Andy Stanley, the pastor of North Point Church, and it was all about religion and politics, and it was all about how Christians should respond as, uh, as the election draws closer. So I would highly encourage you guys to listen to those when you get a chance. If you like the comment in the chat right now, we will get you, um, we will get you a copy of those when we're done today. I'll just send them to you via, via Facebook Messenger. I uh, would love to, to get you guys that. There's some other links as well. And so um, would love, to, uh, would love to, to share that with you guys. So back at the beginning of the message, I, I, told a, I told a story about a cop and a young mom, and the mom was shoplifting, and the cop had given mercy instead of justice. And the, the cop had, had, uh, had let her go. But I, I didn't tell you guys at that point that the cop didn't just, arre- just not arrest the woman. Instead, 
the, the cop took that opportunity to walk back inside the store with her and to purchase $100 worth of groceries so that her family would have something to eat. There's justice, which is making sure that, that people get what they deserve and that people are treated fairly in that process. There's mercy, which allows for people to, to, to be, uh, to, you know, using your leverage to pull others up. There's justice and there's mercy, but then God took it even a step further, and this is what we call grace. So we have justice, we have mercy, and we have grace. And the, the law asked for punishment in that situation. The cop responded with mercy by not punishing her, but the cop also responded with grace by giving her something that she didn't deserve, by giving her favor that she didn't understand. And, uh, and, and so grace is undeserved favor that God pours out for us. It's not simply freedom from punishment, but it's also receiving everything that God has for you in this life and in the life to come. You see, grace makes it possible to live the abundant life that God has for us. And this is what God is calling us to. He wants us to act justly. He wants us to love mercy. He wants us to walk humbly with our God. And when we do those three things, we find that grace is an overflow. Grace is an outflowing of what God is doing in our lives. So maybe you're watching this and you've drifted away from God. Or maybe it's your first time ever tuning into a church service and you're still trying to figure this whole God thing out. I want you to know that God took your punishment, that God himself, the creator of the universe, became flesh, was born on, on Christmas morning, lived a sinless life, and then knowing that we deserved punishment, knowing that I needed to be punished, rather than allowing me to be punished, his grace stepped in that gap for me. And he stepped in that gap for you. And he took the punishment that you deserve. And he died that death on a cross so that you can have forgiveness. And not only so that you can not be punished, but so that you can have eternal life, abundant life in this life and in the life to come. God wants that for you this morning. And so if you want to give your heart to Jesus, the Bible is very clear what we need to do. Romans 10, 10 9, if we confess with our mouths that Jesus is Lord, we, we, uh, if we uh, believe in our hearts that Jesus is Lord, confess with our, oh man. If we believe and we confess, we believe that Jesus is Lord, confess that, that, uh, that he is Lord, then, then we will be saved. And so, so as, we, as we do that this morning, I want to pray for you guys. I want to pray with you guys. And, and I just want to believe that, that God is stirring hearts right now, that God, is, that God is tugging on you right now. And so Christians, if you're out there, if you're watching this, begin to pray right now in this moment. Begin to pray right now because God wants to speak to people right now. God is touching hearts right now. He's touching lives right now. And so if that's you in this place and you say, I don't have everything figured out. I don't understand all of it, but I understand enough to know that there's a God that loves me and wants what's best for me. Then, then I want you to, to pray this prayer with me this morning. Just go ahead and, just go ahead and, and uh, pray with me this morning. Let's say, Father God, I know that I've sinned. I know that I've messed up. I know that I have fallen short of your promises. I know that I've fallen short of the glory of God. And Lord, I ask for forgiveness for those things that I've done. God, I pray that, that you would become the Lord of my life and, and that, God, you would, uh, you would help me to, to act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly beside you.
God, I pray that you would take charge of my behaviors, take charge of of what I'm doing. And God, I pray that you would be the one that I can rely on in my time of need. And Father God, I just thank you for your grace this morning. Thank you for your mercy. And, And thank you that you loved me enough to send your son to die for me. God, we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. So if you prayed that prayer this morning, I want you to look in the chat. And uh, there should be a a link that pops up. If you prayed that prayer along with us this morning, you gave your heart to Christ, we want to celebrate with you and we want to connect with you. And so that specific link, um, just go ahead and like that link if you you responded, if you prayed that prayer with with me this morning because we want to connect with you. The rest of you guys that are watching, if you're celebrating along with those that gave your heart to Jesus this morning, just go ahead and post party horn emojis or, or clapping hands emojis or whatever. Let's celebrate for a minute those that gave their hearts to Christ. Lastly, I want to read you guys the remainder of that passage in Philippians. And then, and then I promise I'm done for today. But remember, he said, in your relationships with others, be as, think the way that Christ thought. And then he says this, therefore God exalted him to the highest place. Jesus, who was God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but he made himself a servant. Because he was made a servant, the Bible says God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven, on earth, and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So you might feel like you're in a situation where you don't have any power. You might feel like there are situations where, the, or that in, in general in life, you see society slipping away from you. You see decency uh, of the people around you slipping away from you. You see people that are using their uh, authority and using their privilege to abuse those that are, that are uh, underneath them. You feel like there's nothing you can do to help. The Bible says in those moments and in those ways that our first response should be to serve the oppressed. Our first response should be to look for ways to lift those up. Sometimes it means standing up. Sometimes it means using your voice to help others by by confronting those that are in power. But sometimes it just means serving those that are in need. And so I want to challenge you guys today that as we go, I want to challenge you to act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. I want to pray for you guys as we close. Hopefully, as you've been listening to this, God has been stirring something inside of you. You've been thinking about situations where where God would have you intervene, where where God would want you to step up. And so I just want to encourage you in that. I want to pray. uh, uh, I want to pray bravery over you. I want to pray courage over you. I want to pray that God would touch you and uh, and give you the strength that you need during during this next season of your life. Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you for this message this morning. God, we thank you that your word is so clear that we need to use our position. We need to use our authority in order to help those around us. God, I pray that no matter whether we are a a, a middle schooler that's watching this morning, God, whether we are a senior adult that's watching this morning, Lord, whether we are uh, a a fast food employee or, or whether we are the manager of a company, God, I pray that all of us would learn to use, to leverage the power the authority, the resources, and the opportunities that we've been given in order to help those in need. And God, we just thank you for these things. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.